Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show. Ten years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt, co-host Miles Bauer. Miles, you are the resident Trump publican, is that correct? That is correct. So I'm reading this article from the Fox News. It says Trump's lead grows in GOP primary race. Now over 50% support. Trump has doubled his lead since February and is up to his lead up now by 30 points. And the, the bottom line for this is that they're saying in a head-on Trump versus DeSantis, it's 54 to 24 or 30% higher. Listen, I'm, I've said all along, I'm not an always Trumper, and I'm most certainly not a never Trumper, but, but I've got some real reservations here, so I'm hoping you'll coach me. Um, my side of the great Republican Party divide is, is very concerned that Trump is so damaged that he's going to suffer in a general election. Um, I liked the results of his political, uh, his first administration. I'm not a big fan of him. I liked his results. Um, not a cruiser, just to cut you off at the pass. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but when I look forward to it, I said, okay, he wins the primary, and everybody that's a Trump Republican can jump up and down with excitement. But does that give them the presidency, or does it guarantee them a loss, Miles Bauer? Well, so I was listening to Victor Davis Hanson's uh, podcast. Yep. And he he was saying that Trump should not try to shore up his base because his base is solid. Mm-hmm. And he 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 was saying that Trump should concentrate on those folks outside of his base in an attempt to uh, shore up, you know, the ability to uh, win. Do, do me a favor, uh, though. Do me a favor, though, Miles, before we go any further. For those folks not familiar, will you tell them who Victor Davis Hanson is? Yeah, so he's a um, professor, I believe, out in um, Stanford. Right. He's not a lightweight. Uh, he's a a political scientist and historian, um, right. not, not a lightweight at all. I just, I wanted the folks that are not familiar with him. I know you reference him often and I don't blame you because he's one of the leading reasonable voices in the American political climate right now. I think that's my, a fair assessment on my part of who he is, but I'm sorry, keep, keep telling us. No. So, you know, so I'm, I'm just thinking now, the election is so far away. The primaries won't won't start for another year. Uh, there are probably a lot of folks that don't know even who DeSantis is at this this uh, point in time. Right. And folks may not even be paying attention until this time next year. I I think there's some truth to that. Um, that folks in and by the way historically. Um, when you look, even even in a presidential primary, rule of thumb is that the general voting public, meaning not grassroots, not political monkeys like you and I have been since we were kids, 
Um, right. The general public that goes to work, pays their tax, raises their kids, etc., they don't actually dive into the details of these races until after the 4th of July in the year of the election. And everything in the, in the meantime is, in my view at least, so these are my words, uh, people, uh, it's candidates jostling for position. And that that's way different than running a, a legitimate campaign. So I think that's part of it. And I believe that Victor Davis Hanson is spot on when he says, don't worry about your base, it's solid. And I can tell you folks, having been inside at least the Michigan Republican Party for the last several years, he's exactly correct. Donald Trump's base is solid, rock solid. There are some folks on the edges that are a little bit squishy, both center-leaning and also out on the on the right fringe, that they're willing to look around. But the base itself, traditional Republicans, to use that term, are more than willing to go for another ride with with uh, Donald Trump. But listen, next on our list um, is on the same path. And this is, <laughs> you and I love polls, I know that. Mixed signals on Trump. Majority says criminal charges should disqualify uh, a 24 run. Popularity is unchanged, leads DeSantis by double digits like we just talked about. Uh, but but I, I, listen, I got to tell you something on this, and you and I are probably going to be on the same team when I say this. The idea that a charge could disqualify a candidate, by the way, from either party, to me is, is outrageous. Everybody that we don't like, we just go find some way to trump up a charge and be done. Am I... What are these people thinking, Miles Bauer? You know, I'm I'm thinking that that Manhattan DA. Yep. I'm I'm just wondering if he's just stirring up the pot for his base. He he, he might be, but the effect of it is, is is like I've said for the last several years, Democrats are masters at the one percent campaign. So they throw this guy out. He's going to go out there and cause an Whatever the number is, a half a percent, three quarter, whatever the percent is, it's a small percentage I, I acknowledge, but that's how they win, a percent here, a percent there. And I think that he was fodder. That's what I think he was, is political fodder. And so the media and places like Twitter, even under Musk, go crazy with excitement. The heck I watched, I must have watched 50 different of those little video clip meme things showing where people got way too much time on their hands to put together, you know, Trump being arrested by the police officers. And it gets to the point where you go, holy smokes. But my reason for putting it or broaching this topic that way, Miles, is I've always thought that America was you were innocent until proven guilty. And this poll suggests that a majority, 54%, according to this poll, don't care about guilt. If you've been charged, that's good enough for them. Out. I think that's scary for where we are at as a society and our lack of understanding of the Bill of Rights and the role of a judiciary in our system of government. And I don't want to overstate it, but holy smokes, Miles, what say you? Yeah, you know, what What I'm uh, finding, and it's too bad um, Ludd isn't uh, here, but, you know, there there have been multiple polls pointing towards the seniors like you and I, yeah. right, are, uh, we still value patriotism, 
religion, things like like that. But the younger folks aren't quite in the same bus. Right. Yep. Words like sovereignty, um, and I use the term Bill of Rights, um, I, the Tenth Amendment. I, I, it, the, one of the things that the left, having control of government schools, has been able to achieve, I think it's a dumbing down. They think it's, they think it's fostering the, the the next citizen of the world. So we have very different views on what proper role of schooling is. But that, I mean, we've done on this show over the years many quotes with folks from Harvard University lecturing future teachers about their role is is to heal these sick children that believe in a supernatural God and believe in the sovereignty of this country is the only... These are teachers teaching the teachers. And that's part of what you're seeing from Ludwig's age down, where the things that were really taught to us strongly, they're absent from the, from the curriculums now. We're down to seconds, but... Tell me what you think. Is Am I overstating that, or are you and I in agreement, Miles Bauer? No, I think, um, no, I totally agree that some of this is stemming from that the Democrats for so long have had a stranglehold on schools, right. public schools. Ab- absolutely do. Listen, we've got to go to a break, Miles. Folks, do me a favor, stay with us, because we are just getting ramped up. We will be right back. Listen, Miles. I, w- I want to finish up that top topic that we were we were turning on uh, because I think it's a big deal about what's going on in our in our government schools. I think it affects things like uh, like election results and what the definition of a country is, in my view. And so I and you've heard me do this before. I got to say it again: the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next, and that was Abraham Lincoln, and he was exactly right. And let me look to the conservative side of America for a minute, Miles, and then you tell me if I'm all wet when I say this. But we've spent the last couple generations pointing at the government school system and mocking it. And what we have done when we've done that is we have unwittingly counseled our own young not to get involved in in education. And so then we wonder how come we're absent a voice or representation in the school system. I think, well, we've been coaching our children, again, unwittingly, to not be involved in it. And it's a really vicious circle. We don't like it, but we don't want to be a part of it, and yet we're stuck in it. So I see on Facebook or I hear in conversations, I've mentioned this before, so I'll have some parent screaming and yelling and ranting like I do, by the way, about education, they say, wait, I'll be right back. i got to get my kids off the bus. Um, I, I think the right has almost surrendered to the public schools that are doing this to us. What say you, Miles Bauer? No, I, I agree, although I think um, there are a couple bright spots here. Thank I God. think by, by virtue of COVID and the lockdowns, 
I think parents were made aware as to what's being taught to their uh, kids. And we've now seen what, uh, I think Arkansas is the latest state. There are like five states now in, in the US where parents can move their kids to a different school. Right, and, and you can do that in, in Michigan, it's called school of choice. The problem with it is, so we'll use Detroit as an example. Detroit has had three full generations of failing government schools in inner city. Most of those folks, are they're stuck paying school tax, and they're stuck because they don't have any money beyond that to take their children to a school somewhere else. They have the legal right to do it, but their wallet isn't big enough to pay for the failed school and then transport their child to a successful school. So they're trapped in educational squalor, as I refer to it. I, it's a problem. I think you're on the right path, Miles. I, I, I just think that the governments, most of the state governments, certainly here in Michigan, have, have uh, blocked it. And every time somebody like uh, Betsy DeVos says voucher, the left goes crazy, and roughly a third of the right go crazy with them because populism has been such a strong introduction to classism that we can't pause and say, forget that she's got a big checkbook. Let's listen to what she's saying for a minute because what she's saying is exactly what you just said the cure ought to be. It's mind-numbing how we get into these circular firing squads and refuse to listen to the information that's right in front of us. And we surrender entire generations of people in inner city America, every state. I, I, listen, to me, it's a crisis proportion. Um, I, I really passionately believe that. Later in the show, we're going to come back to education again, as you know from reading show notes, so you can get to laugh at me, but I, <laughs> I won't rant, I promise. But here, I want to I get to the next topic. Uh, egg producer reports 718% increase in profit. Did you read that article, Miles Bauer? Did you notice that at least? This is from KTG.com. Literally, and it's the, the, the most prominent egg, largest egg producer in the United States. And that company has a 718% increase in profit. The, the, the escalation of, of uh, egg pricing was supposedly the result of bird flu. And the same within the same hour of me reading that article, I'm standing in line and I'm talking to a person that used to work at a big box store, one of the national ones. And she's relating to me that during the peak of COVID, they would have the trucks wait out back because they didn't want to stock the shelves properly because that allowed them to justify the prices being higher. And listen, I'm a big capitalist, but you're never going to find me in favor of gouging. That's gouging. And and I won't get on a rant, but since I'm talking about supermarkets, I miss the days of the independent grocery store, even if it costs me more money. Um, so I'm, I walk into a big box store, and I'm, I'm ringing my own food up, I'm packing it, and I'm carrying it, and I'm still paying full price for service. What am I, a nitwit? <laughs> <laughs> Miles, what, what's your topic on how these companies take advantage of inflation and incidences? Well, I mean, 
you know, there there are all, also folks that point at at big oil and that oil is artificially high. Right. And and you know, I mean, some of that is just climate change motivated. So you have to somewhat scratch your head sometimes around who is gouging and are they really gouging or does this go back to someone's agenda? I, I Listen, I think there's always, you and I agree on that, there's always an agenda involved. But when we're on the air talking back then about how the shelves are mostly empty, and, I, and by the way, I didn't just believe the young lady, I got on the internet duckduckgo.com because I was actually in pursuit of the truth and discovered that it's true that there were many large box stores that were holding inventories out back you couldn't see them and you and I on the air talking about the fact that the shelves are are mostly empty listen I I remember in seventh grade talking about government schools and I don't know whether this person was a liberal or a conservative no clue at all don't care by the way, you flatly don't care. But the teacher made some common sense about gouging. So it <laughs> and used an example about before refrigeration, when there was, um, they, would, they would have to go uh, cut ice out of lakes and then store it in, they put it in big, you know, ice storage houses underground often. And, and so if you had a really hot time, and some of those ices were melting off. Do you get gouged? If there was some big fire that just, when is gouging an appropriate thing? And the answer was probably never if you've got integrity. But more importantly, I put my capitalist hat back on and say, if you really want to have business when the problem problem is over with, you better be honest during the problem. That's what I guess I'm driving at. And that's me right. as a pure capitalist saying, be honest or folks like Mike Hewitt will be saying, no, not again. That's right. that's how I see that. Now, do you disagree or do you agree or is seven hundred and eighteen percent on eggs bother you or no? <laughs> no, no. I mean if 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 I'm getting gouged, yep. right, then when the shortage or whatever the issue is, when it finally clears, then I'm I'm probably not gonna go back to that person right. that was gouging me. Right. During the uh, challenging times. Yeah, so if you poke me in the eyeball, I'm not going to give you a second opportunity to poke me in the eyeball again. And right. I, I think that's where some of these large corporations um, are they're a little bit short-sighted. That's where the bean counters are in way of the folks that are actually familiar with the market, with what the market is doing. So, yeah, they get you, but in my case, they won't get me again because I won't go back to that store. And once I'm able to document it, I will share that on the show. I, I just that's uh, when I say document, I want to show pictures, and I'll put them on the show's Facebook page, and then we'll talk about it. And I'll ask folks to go look and make their own judgment. That's kind of how I see that. But it's a big deal to me when we're really, really in trouble. The folks that we should depend on ought not to be putting us in a headlock. That's that's how I see that. So. Um, at any rate, listen, when we come back, let's take a trip through the ATF. That's going to be a little fun ride. Folks, stay with us, and we will be right back and talk about the alphabet soup of government.
Listen, folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-host Miles Bauer. I got to take a pause for just a minute. I got to thank everybody. Please, please thank you for listening to the show. Um, we love doing it, been doing it a long time, hope to keep doing it for, for that much longer. But listen, housekeeping, we are broadcasting from our flagship station in beautiful Holland, Michigan. That is WHTC 1450 AM, 99.7 FM. But listen, we've, <laughs> we're pretty blessed because we've got folks that listen in a whole bunch of states from Arkansas to Tennessee to Alaska, all over the place, and other states that I don't have time to sit and try to get the list to read them. I just want to thank everybody very, very much. If you missed it, you can find the show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Miles Bauer, do you mind talking about the federal government for a minute? Sure. Yep. So I'm. I have an. Uh, I have a friend that is uh, works for the ATF. Sends me a link. He said you got to watch this. Um, and by the way, I will post this this uh, this to the uh, to the Facebook page for the show. But it's about a 20-25 minute exchange between um, an AT and I'm saying ATF. Sixteen ATF special inv- investigators show up at a gun shop in Georgia to do an audit. Sixteen of them. Now keep in mind, by the way, folks, I have operated a gun shop for a decade. It's I've closed it, but I still hold a federal firearms license. Um, and I'm telling you that part because I've been immersed in this stuff for a long time. You and might want to explain what a- ATF stands for. The alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives. But they have to only, they can only have three, so they don't get to put the explosives in the title. Um, that's who they are. They are alcohol, tobacco, firearms. They are the federal agency that oversees, at least in this application, um, federally licensed gun shops and explosive dealers and so in my instance they would come to the they would come to the shop and do an audit and i and by the way I, I support that just so everybody knows they come in make sure that the records are accurate part of what an audit means is that they count my firearms okay you have 85 i'm just picking an arbitrary number you've got 85 guns that show open in your book that means you must have 85 guns on premise show them to me and we literally do an inventory. And then we look at all the firearms that were sold. We go through the paperwork to make sure that everybody was actually approved, had a background check, papers done properly. I'm okay with that, folks. Listen, it's a, I'm a big conservative. I'm not much for federal oversight. Having said that, it makes sense to me to ask where did it come from and where did it go? That's what they, if they're doing their job, that's what their job is. So in this case, the gun shop that's in question is one of the largest in the United States. And they just had their renewal in this past September. So I'm not doing the math six months ago. Uh, And by the way, when you get a renewal with that, you get an audit, you get the whole, they had it all. So now we're six months later and 16 ATF special investigators show up on premise in something that I've never heard of before, most of them, 11 of the 16 were from other states. They'd been flown in. And by the way, it's not, it doesn't take 16 ATF specialists to investigate what amounts to six months worth of firearm sales. It just doesn't take three people a half a day, not 16. 
But here's the interesting dovetail. They show up and they're greeted by a small contingency of Republican congressional um, state or federal U.S. representatives from Georgia show up. The gun shop owner called whomever his congressperson is and said, what are these people doing here? We need oversight. So four Congress people showed up and had an exchange with the ATF folks. And that's the 2025 Minutes audio I will po- I will put on the show's Facebook page. But it's nonsensical. And when you listen, you listen, you listen, you finally figure out what the, what the trigger is. No pun intended. DeSantis is showing up on Thursday. So they show up on Monday to do an unscheduled, and I submit to you, illegal inspection. And I call it illegal because the way the law reads, if you inspect me today, you cannot come back and inspect me again tomorrow unless you've got some definitive probable cause. Now, they do it six months later. Their probable cause is that a presidential candidate is showing up. The ATF or the FBI, and we are, we've already watched the IRS become weaponized. Folks, those are not the trappings of a free, a free country. That, I don't care if you're left or right. I don't care if you're gun or anti-gun. You should not want to have a branch of our government be your political weapon. You should not want that in this country. Miles, reel me in. Am I all wet on this? No, I think you're spot on. I, I, it's all political. Imagine yep. coming in. This you got to figure. By the way, folks, you got to imagine this. This is not my little country store. This is a store so large that a presidential candidate is showing up on a campaign stop. We're not talking about Mikey's gun shop. It's a big organization that had been just inspected, and it's being inspected in advance of a president. You can't make this stuff up. If I wrote this in one of my novels, people would be saying, oh, Mike, you're being shrill. That's silly. It is silly, and it is shrill, but it happened, and it ought not to happen in our country. Both sides of the aisle, if you do not reel your government in, I promise you, you may like the short term. You will not like the long term. That's a fact. History demands it. History tells it repeatedly. You won't like the result if you use your government to uh, end your political will. That's not how our system works. So I didn't mean to make it a rant, Miles, but I watched that and it was, what would Hillary say? It was absolutely deplorable. It was repulsive. Is what I, That's how I viewed it. It angered me, I'm just telling you. As a federally licensed dealer, it angered me because I'm so keenly personally aware of what the process is supposed to be. And they interviewed this. You've got these congressional representatives talking to the ATF person, and this guy's talking in circles. For 25 minutes, he never said anything. I Shame on our government. Shame on Biden, by the way, because that's where this comes from. Just, just saying it to you. France buys 65,000 tons of LNG, which is gas, from China in first ever... Uh, they don't. They're not using U.S. currency, Miles Bauer. Is that a problem? Yeah, yeah, exactly. As as you you Ludd and I have discussed, if the dollar falls out of favor, 
uh, we are going to live in a completely different country than, than the one we live in now. Our economic process are, 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 it will absolutely collapse. And so, you know, France is one of our old, it actually is our oldest ally, and they're making uh, yen purchases from, from China. And you go, wait a minute, I thought we were partners here. The answer is no, no, we're really not. They don't trust our dollar. That's really the bottom line. Uh, and if I'm overstating it, Miles, you're probably more versed in this issue than I am. But my interpretation is, is that these large long-term countries no longer trust the, the, the validity, the value of the U.S. dollar. And to me, that's an epic crisis in the making. Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm... I'm, I'm again, I'm not trying to be shrill, but folks, we got to pay attention to this. So when you're getting your free 600 bucks in the mail going or plugged into your account, you're going, whoopee, understand that there's a price that we're only beginning. We're only beginning to count on what these things are charging us with this crazy and crazy inflation. Oh, Mike, we've only got 6.7% unless you factor in energy and food and housing and insurance. Then it's a little bit higher. Folks, we have got to tell our government to slow itself down. I say again, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. You can be far left, far right, anywheres in between. They are crippling our future. It's imperative that we say stop, not one more inch. That's my view of it. But listen, we're going to go in an entirely different direction when we come back from this break. Please join with us. The Unvarnished Truth with Mike Hewitt. For more than a decade on The Mike Hewitt Show, we've been chronicling a significantly changing political and societal landscape in America. Both major political parties have always had major differences, but with guarded respect for each other. Reagan and Tip O'Neill meeting weekly to seek common ground stands as an example. Compare that now. Both parties afraid of their own base, no longer seeking just to win, but to destroy opposition. Who wants a single-party government? Meanwhile, we're witnessing unprecedented levels of societal angst, depression, confusion, and worse. I asked, when did this begin? 1995, the internet. For all of its blessings, it's a curse filled with homegrown revolutionaries, predators, crazy people that reach into your homes. We either need to quickly mature or unplug. That's the unvarnished truth. Our society is in trouble. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Tell us what you think. So listen, what gets me ramped up on this topic, folks, is I've got I've got a personal family member that's wrestling with this. I've got two different friend families that they've got folks in their immediate family that are wrestling with what I'm going to talk about. Um, in all three instances that I immediately personally know, it's 13 and 14-year-old girls in middle school that are now wrestling with what they are. And they're doing it in a, in a very self-deprivating, they're literally, one, two of the three of them, to the level of carving and hurting themselves physically. They are that distraught over these this issue. Are they he, them, them, they, all of the big bag of pronouns? Miles Bauer, you and I are truly dinosaurs. When, when we were that age, I think I knew you when I was, maybe I was 15 and you were 14. It was a long time ago, whenever the heck it was. These were not concerns in our window. 
And folks, that's not to say that there were not folks that had confusion. And it's not to say that there weren't gay people or lesbians. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I've never seen, we've never seen as a country, the levels of what's going on in our school now are literally at epidemic proportions. People are hurting themselves and they're being hurt. And I pause and I go, 13, 14, middle school, where are they coming up with these terms? Where are they learning this stuff from? Honest, I don't understand it. So I started doing a deep dive myself. Where is this stuff coming from? And I got to tell you the truth. Two of the three, for a matter of fact, I don't know about the third, have adult predators that are reaching into their world on the Internet, pretending that they themselves are one of the teens from somewhere else. We've got predators entering our homes. And by the way, I've been ranting about public schools for 10 years on the air. Two of the three are from Christian private schools. It is everywhere. It is permeating our culture. It is hurting young people. And the only avenue, this it, I say evil, but I'm not talking theologically. These folks that are they're predators, they're reaching in on the internet. And families are good people that think that they've got reasonable control are losing control of their families. Uh, Miles, I... Listen, I'm beside myself on this. It's hurting people, Miles Bauer. Yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, sad part, the, the, the thing you and I didn't have to deal with in, in uh, high school are these sexually explicit books that are now in grade schools, in junior high and high schools. Right. And how you need to transition to another gender. I mean, Mike, you know, when you and I were in high school, we didn't hear that mess. No, but but listen, one of the things that I think takes place is almost everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody, somewhere between the age of five and puberty, has some kind of um, time where they've played doctor with somebody else, whether it be opposite sex or same sex. That's that's normal in the percentage of probably pushing 90%. And But now they've got folks in school and on the Internet, both the school faculty themselves in many cases, along with predators on the Internet, are saying, oh, well, you must be a, you must be a them, they, then. No, that's a person that's going through the same process that humans, both sexes, humans, have been going through throughout written history. It's not anything new, but it's being taken advantage of. So almost everybody, when they reach puberty, as they're working their way through it, goes through a period of confusion, challenges. The the you know the the, the hormones are bubbling. All of those cliches that go with that, and they're being taken advantage of by the far left, not the left, the far left and predators. I'm not putting those two groups together. They're separate topics. The far left is a political entity. That's what they're doing for whatever their ends are. And predators have always been perverts. And they're being opportunists on this. But little girls, little boys, and families in total are being hurt. There are organizations, by the way, blows my mind when we talk about mental health. There's three or four that I know of off the top of my head that are internet counseling uh, services where they've got 10 and 15,000 counselors each. 
And I think, holy smokes, do we really need that? And that's without addressing state councilors and county councilors and township councilors and city councilors. We're talking about a population that would fill three states of people that identify as counselors now. And if that doesn't give folks an opportunity to say, wait a minute, like I said in that 60-second feature, we need to either mature as a culture quickly or we need to unplug. And I passionately believe it. And listen, I'm conflicted on it because I love the Internet. But I don't love it so much I'm going to sacrifice my family for it. Miles, help me out. Tell me something that will get my feet back on the ground because this stuff sends me over the edge. Yeah, no, I, you know, anything can be perverted for all the wrong, wrong reasons. That doesn't necessarily mean that you shut down the inter internet. So you just, you, you, you just have to go back and address. And I think this is something that we've uh, spoken about in show, shows past. We have overcompensated for a broken mental health system that we had back in the 60s and 50s and 40s. Now we have over overcompensated completely the wrong way. And, you know, we're, we as a society are going to have to sit down and have a long conversation about how do we real mental health back in. I, I, listen, I agree with that. But things, and, and by the way, I'm not asking folks to shut the internet off. I'm saying if we're not acutely aware of what's taking place, we're going to be rudely awakened one family at a time. So it goes to your point. I'm reading an article. This is from the thehill.com. Most of New Poll oppose laws restricting drag shows or performances. And, and then their paragraph, most adults said that they oppose laws restricting drag shows or performances as Republicans in several states pushed to block the shows from being seen by children. And I read that thing. I had to read it twice, folks, because I'm thinking, wait a minute. The Hill, I don't know whether they're left, right, or center, but they're mixing two topics. There have always been drag shows. I remember groups of cops when I was young, Pontiac City police officers, husbands and wives, they'd go down to a drag show in Detroit, have a great time, hoot, holler, laugh, drink beer, go home. It was fine. They've always been there. I've never complained. That's a little bit different than saying, Mike, are you trying to prevent drag queens from being in school? The answer is yes. And to your point, pornography in schools, they don't go together. They just don't go together. And so now they, and the left's response to that is, Mike, you want to do book banning? You Hitler, you must want to burn the books in the parking lot. Folks, that's not the same as saying I don't want pornography in my 7th and 8th grade grandchildren's library at school. These are not the same topics. The idea that they're being mixed up, it's causing confusion, it's hurting people, and that the left does it for a few votes and some political contributions, to a, it's mind-boggling, Miles Bauer, that these things, that, to your point along the path, there are too many players and each one has their own agenda. But, right. but we're family people, and we got to stand back and say, I'm going to defend my grandchildren, and I don't give a hoot what you think about it. That's how I see it. We're down to seconds, Miles. What say you on this topic? No, I, you know, I think that th this is going to come back to the lap of the parents raising the uh, kids today. 
it, you know that they're 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 going to have to make de- decisions and stand up for him. The the wrestling match with that is the cliche of the preacher's kid that goes wild or the cop's kid that goes wild. So if the parent tries to lock them down, what are they going to get when they're done? The other thing is if you run them wild, they become prey for the far left and for the predators. It's a tough thing, folks. It really is. What I'm asking parents to do is be aware. Folks, listen, thank you very, very much for joining us. Please take a look at us on Spotify and Apple, and we will see you next week. Be safe.